All right, welcome back everyone to the Kinetics Connection. Uh, I'm joined by Coach Matt Perina again. Uh, the last time that we had the pleasure of Matt joining us, we talked about consultation and his approach to consultation, uh, both with a new client as well as ongoing as he continues to work with individual clients. Uh, today, we're going to dive into the next step of that process and we're going to talk a little bit about assessment. Um, I'm sure we'll dive into a lot to do with assessment of individual clients, as well as uh, we'll touch on kind of what we see in terms of group model assessment. Uh, but for those of you who have not met Matt, Matt, just give us a little background on yourself. Brief 30-second elevator pitch on Matt Perino. Uh, well, hello, brief 30-second elevator pitch. Um, I'm one of the coaches here. I coach part-time here. I do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching with uh, a few individuals here at our facility, and I also coach uh, classes uh, regularly on Sundays. And you know, when I'm not uh, coaching at my normal job, which is teaching, I am uh, here a little bit more frequently in, uh, in terms of teaching classes. So uh, I've been here for about eight years, maybe. And uh, yeah, just looking to chat with you guys about some things that Chad and I uh, deem valuable and important both uh, at our facility but just in general to, uh, for you know someone's success yeah absolutely um, so again guys I like bringing Matt on here because I think he really he takes a deep dive into these concepts and he gives a lot of thought to these things um, whether it be consultation assessment implementation of program design um, what have you strength and conditioning in general uh, how he coaches classes so he has a lot of thoughts and ideas about what's made him successful and kind of what we can look at as both coaches as professionals as well as clients um, what our expectations can and should be of the people that we work with so i think the last time that we were on we talked about consultation being really getting to know your client getting to understand their history um, who they are where they sit on the the curve of life in terms of their max physical potential and and you know, what sort of things they prioritize and they value, uh, the sort of, sort of stuff that we're doing. So that's all fodder, that's all information for this next step, which is assessment and getting to the root of what do we want to look at, what sort of metrics do we want to track so that we know that the program we're delivering is effective and, and working. Um, does that about sum it up there, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, uh, I would say assessment, if you were to tag a definition onto it would be something that it's a how would you how would you define assessment would you say a benchmark uh, sure um, a benchmark measurement maybe yeah. for success and uh, growth absolutely and I think one of the things before we get into any like specifics to recognize is that uh, I think at least within the realm of going to the gym a lot of people view assessments as a 2k row or a one rep max back squat yeah. um, but we can also look at assessments that have to do with body fat composition, Absolutely. with overall body weight. Um, with We can look at assessments of sleep. Are we improving in terms of sleep metrics? We can look at assessments with uh, nutrition and food intake, uh, hydration. So realistically, when we talk about especially working with individuals, this becomes a little bit harder to execute with a group. But when we talk about working with an individual, 
we can assess wherever the needs of that client lie. So if they are predominantly physical, if they're a competitive athlete and you know they need to make weight for a weightlifting meet um, and they obviously need to hit certain numbers, we're gonna have metrics that are set up around body weight, around the lifts that they're, they're completing. Um, we'll probably track some of this other stuff too, but if they are someone who is already pretty locked in with their lifestyle, we may not assess that stuff. We may just touch base and check in versus someone who is coming to Matt and they're looking for general health and fitness. Uh, they wanna improve some biomarkers. They want to just live a healthier life. They don't really have a physical competitive aspiration. Now we might track some physical metrics, but we may pay closer attention to assessing sleep, to assessing um, nourishment, uh, hydration, stress levels, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, um, I agree. You're uh, the the uh, the picture of excitement with this, Matt. No, I'm just messing. With you. Yeah. No, I just I wanted to point that out because I think it's something that people get um, people get sucked into thinking that assessments only are some sort of physical manifestation, or some sort of physical test. Yeah, they're absolutely not. I mean, an assessment can be as, as simple as, how are you feeling today? Um, you know, I, I like how, uh, we, when we have our, cl- uh, what the heck's it called? SugarWad. SugarWad, I think, is a very easy way to assess things because you can plug in an emoji after a class thing and it can just be, it felt great. And but, but no, I think that when you talk about assessment, it can be very simple or it can be, you know, as complex as a, you know, three rep max bench press, you know, but, but yeah, so when it comes to assessment, I think that you should be assessing each week with very simple assessments, such as, you know, as I mentioned, how do you feel? Um, you know, what, what do these things look like? Like those are all assessments. It, it guides, it guides your, your instruction. It guides your coaching. But then there should also be measurements where where you're looking at how effective is your coaching, how effective is your uh, your program design, and how effective you know how are they compliant enough to where you should have an assessment uh, again. So there's a I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. You know my assessments are going to be uh, different from your assessments, and they're going to be different from someone else's assessments. But I think that you you can't get to the assessment uh, stage until you have had some kind of consultation because you know if someone comes in and you don't have a consultation with them you develop this great strength and conditioning program for them but they don't want strength conditioning they want hypertrophy or they want Olympic weightlifting or as you mentioned prior to this you said you were going into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? That someone going into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu probably doesn't need to measure their one or max squat or their one or max, you know, clean and jerk. Sure. So I, I think that assessment is only appropriate if it meets the needs uh, and the goals of the individual. Absolutely. So in order, let's dive into some kind of tangible stuff here. Um, what are some of your go-to, let's say you have a new client, just baseline initial assessments that you do kind of universally, if you have any? Um, well, universally, I don't know if I have too many of them. There are some that I think will uh, cover many different 
individuals, many different sets of goals. Kind of some prerequisite type stuff. Yeah, I think that one that I always go to is just 60 minutes on the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter who comes in, no matter what their goal is, you know, we want to make sure they can have a base level level of aerobic capacity. Um, you know, and I use the bike because it's arms and legs. It's the rogue bike. Um, so it's arms and legs moving. There's no rest cycle in there like a rower or a skier. Um, and you're, what are you looking for with that? With, when we do, I know we've had a number of people go through 60-minute assessments. I've done them. Um, and I think some people look at it and they're just like, oh, my God, like 60 minutes. And they have this, this, this thing in their head where they've built it up to be this hellacious um, assessment, but what are you actually looking for when you have someone do that? Um, well, there's a disclaimer that I usually give that they're going to do it more than once. Um, and I look for consistency. Can they do 60 minutes in the bike continuous? You know, I don't, my instructions are usually at a sustainable pace. Mm -hmm. Don't look at it as an all out effort because it takes a, a specific type of endurance athlete to, to do an all-out effort for 60 minutes. Um, so I, I instruct them to approach it at you know f- like a four-hour pace, and um, you know we're looking for we're looking for consistency over a couple sessions. So I might do a 60-minute bike for week one, 60-minute bike for week two, and if they're relatively similar, like average RPMs, pretty similar, distance traveled, calories, if all those things are pretty similar, then in my mind I'm like, okay, they have a they have a pretty good aerobic base. They can move for an hour. Yeah, which is essentially what you're looking for, right? Is yes. their ability to move consistently for a duration of time, in this case <clears throat> being an hour. Yeah, and so I think the measurement that we're getting is consistency, and I, that assessment will take place more than once. Okay. Now, what about anything um, prereqs in terms of strength training stuff is there anything that you typically take people through again let's imagine you don't know this person at all they've never trained here you sat and met with them for their initial consultation but now you need to go through um some just baseline assessments are there anything else that you that you utilize or throw out there before you get started yeah um well i think that again the consultation is going to drive which assessments but I'm a big fan of the Dr. John Russin movement patterns. So some kind of hinge, some kind of squat, some kind of press pull. Um, those are going to be the assessments. And then it's based on the consultation. So, you know, if I have someone who comes in and they want to, they want to do, you know, they want to have some kind of CrossFit training. Um, you know, my assessments are going to be a squat, a deadlift, a close grip bench, because that's going to transfer to you know things like burpees and thrusters and wall balls, um, and then they're going to have uh, strict pull-ups as well. Um, you know, I had someone who went and who's going into boot camp for the army, mm-hmm. and their assessment was a mile and a half run, because that was one thing that they did. I think it was a mile and a half, or it was two miles, something like yeah. that. But that was their assessment, and then their assessment was a push-up test, uh, you know, a pull-up test. Whatever they had to do in boot camp, like those were their assessments because during the consultation they told me that that's what they, that's their goal. Yeah. You know, they were not in the greatest shape. They wanted to get in, you know, this person wanted to get in better shape and they wanted to perform uh, in boot camp. So their assessments look a lot different from the previous example of someone who wanted to train and compete in um, something that's fitness related like CrossFit. 
um, if you know if someone like yourself came to me and you you know as mentioned you said you were getting into uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu a little bit more one arm uh, kettlebell presses uh, and then the that assessment can go a couple different ways um, you know that assessment now can can go let's say it's a one arm kettlebell one arm kettlebell press uh, and uh, we start with um, a 44 pound kettlebell. The idea is to see how many maximum repetitions you can do. Probably, and I'll probably prescribe uh, a tempo or you know a rate of movement. And then if you get 37 of them, the next time we're probably not going to go for 40. We're probably going to bump the weight up. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the assessment is one arm kettlebell press with the 53 pound kettlebell. And let's say you're a super strong guy and you get, which is true, right? You're going to get... At one point in my life. And this time, now this time you only get 32 uh, reps with that. You know, so then you're starting to guess like, okay, I, I can start to get a little more specific with Chad. We're going to get the 80 pound kettlebell out and we're going to do one arm kettlebell press. And I'm going to give you like a weight range. Mm-hmm. So it's going to say, uh, you know, one arm, strict one arm kettlebell press at 80 pounds your goal is to get between 10 and 12 reps or 10 and 13 reps, something like that. So now if you get nine reps, the next time we do the assessment, we stay with the 80 pound kettlebell. If you get 15 reps, the next time we do the assessment, we bump the kettlebell up Mm -hmm. to the 88 or whatever the next kettlebell is. So in addition to that, I would, you know, and then it's like, well, why does Chad need to do these these presses? Uh, Why is he doing a kettlebell press? you know, we talk about the grip strength that kettlebell training is going to give you and transfer over into into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and the 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 unilateral pressing strength and endurance that you're going to need in a when you're rolling, yeah. <laughs> when you're rolling on the mats. So that that's an assessment that can be coupled with strict pull-ups. And since you're a super strong dude, again, that now we're going to have to put a, a, a rep range. We're gonna have to throw throw one of those weight belts on and add some some weight, other uh, plates or kettlebells, and <clears throat> you give you a tempo. And now it's just now we got two assessments, and you know I'd, I'd have to find out more about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But what do you, you what what is a what's like a class or a session or a a, a bout or rolling yeah. <laughs> rolling party? What is what is that? Uh, how long is that? Is it a, is an hour? Class? Yeah. Uh, it's usually slotted to be an hour, but a lot of times it goes over. Um, but I, I think without diving too much into specifics for like a specific client or sport, I think what you're getting at is that you're using assessments as yet another tool to refine your approach to the overall program design, right? Like the, yeah. the consultation kind of set the stage. You understand to a degree what direction you the client wants to go, what they value, so where you need to place emphasis. Assessment gets you a little bit more nitty-gritty detail as far as what they yeah. can actually do. You and I both know there's plenty of times when people walk in and they're like, I've been doing X, Y, Z for my whole life. I'm an athlete. I'm super fit. And then you watch them perform a, a particular movement and you can see very quickly that they've been doing it poorly for a long period of time. So it might not even be, mm-hmm. uh, point being, it might not even be the assessment. Um, may just be watching movement pattern. Mm-hmm. It, may, it may be, wow, you don't squat well. So we're going to come back and we're going to refine that. That's an assessment right um, there. It, it, exactly. And I think a lot of times, I know for myself, if I'm working with a client 
Um, I'll do some of the, you and I are both obviously big fans of OPEX and their methodology and, and the information they put out. Um, I'll use their isometric stability assessments um, just to verify like can someone meet this prerequisite to even be loaded, to do loaded movement, sure. right? And where are they at? Can they hold a plank for a certain amount of time? Can they hold the, um, a Sorensen hold, right? Um, uh, we're also huge fans of Dr. Sean Pastuch and everyone over at Active, Active Life. And um, so I, I was thinking when you're talking about the pressing, the single arm kettlebell pressing, the single arm upright row, the relationship, those yeah. strength ratios that, um, that they promote, I think are great tools to look at. And again, it starts to look at your client. If you have someone who, um, if we're using myself as an avatar client, the, the sport of BJJ and Muay Thai, it's rough on your joints. Mm-hmm. It can be rough on your shoulders. You need a lot of stability. You need a lot of mobility, right? There's, mm-hmm. you're moving in irregular planes of motion. Yeah. So doing things like bilateral back squats and mm-hmm. deadlifts, if, if I'm programming positions. for it for yeah. someone, like that's not going to be a huge staple in sure. our programming, right? It's going to be a lot of unilateral movements. It's going to be changing angles of movements, a lot of rotational strength, yeah. um, stability even, work. For someone doing BJJ, I might even prescribe swimming regularly. Sure. If they're moving in different planes of motion, it's difficult on their joints. There's a lot of slamming. Yep. Swimming is a great way to just... Low in, any sort of low impact. Yeah, aerobic. move around and, and get some kind of aerobic... A mix of an aerobic workout in there. Yeah. Um, One of the things that was I thought was really interesting um, doing the immersion course out at OPEX uh, North Scottsdale, there was a gym owner there who owned a gym that specifically trained uh, a lot of MMA and BJJ fighters, but like some pretty high-level competitors, people that are trying to do this either at a very high level in terms of amateur fighting or trying to break into professional fighting. And the question was posed, what sort of strength and conditioning program should they be on? And uh, James Fitzgerald was basically said, uh, none. Yeah. And and it kind of took this, uh, I think it was a young lady, it took, her, it took her back a little bit. And he's like, well, let's, let's really pick this apart. So I think this is a nice example to talk about how consultation can drive this. Um, and basically what he said was, you need to understand, you, you go through consultation. If this is something that's very important to this individual, they're training hard. They're trying to to master this sport and compete at a very high level. Um, the demands of that activity are so high in terms of skill base and frequency that you have to train a lot. It's taxing and exhausting on the body. And then what, so now you're looking at what are you going to do in terms of strength and conditioning that's not going to negatively impact that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was quick to come back and say, now listen, if you have a set season, well then that's different, mm-hmm. right? Or if you have a training camp and you know they're going to take at least, you know, they're going to have a fight and they're going to take at least six months off after a fight, okay, then now we can start to put some strength yeah. and conditioning principles. He's like, if it's me, they're doing low, low impact, MAP 9, MAP 10 aerobic work a couple days a week, keeping themselves moving. And we're just making sure that all of their lifestyle factors are locked the fuck in. They're eating, they're sleeping, mm-hmm. their nutrition, their stress relief, because it's not a, you have to train boxing and Muay Thai and jujitsu and Judo. And like, you're doing so many different things and it's physically very, very hard that 
the beat down that your body takes what by adding intense or like very difficult strength and conditioning on on top of that it would detract potentially from that athlete's performance now on the flip side of that someone like myself who's just doing this for fun and because my daughter's doing it now and i don't want her to be able to beat me up in two years um i i'm going a couple times a week i'm still going to do some other stuff in the gym but it just might dictate when and how those training sessions look like and this could go for anyone if you take someone who um you know runs a lot of races right if you have someone who's a you know they're an avid 5k 10k half marathoner running a lot you might write a very different program for that person and you would use different assessment benchmarks to track their progress you know whether it be times on some of those races Mm -hmm. or hey how are we doing with like single leg strength and recovery and those sort of things right so I, i just think i think it's important for people for like takeaways to understand that when we talk about the individual it and it sounds redundant, but everything's individualized. It's personalized to what their lifestyle looks like, to what their activities are, what is important to them, all those things that you found out in consultation. And then you sit down and you start to develop assessments. And there's some that we go to. There's some uh, go-to yeah. assessments that you and I will use. Um, and there's some when we have someone that comes in who's, let's take it, take it back and change the avatar client and, and talk about where most people lie, which is, I'm just a regular dude or gal who is looking to get a little bit fit. I don't really have any physical aspirations in terms of like doing anything competitive. I, you know, I recreationally ride my bike and go for hikes and stuff like that. But, and you know, I try and stay active with my family, but I'm not, I'm not trying to win a 5k or do anything like that. So then that person comes in and you might have a slew of kind of basic. Yeah assessments that you would run that person through mm-hmm. um what would some of those be yeah i think the first one's going to be um an body scan and it's going to be you know there's a there's a teaching point as to how to approach the in body what time of day what you should be you know you should be on an empty stomach it's probably be in the morning um and making sure that every time you do it you're under those same conditions so I think the first assessment is going to be an in-body scan, hopping on, getting your body fat, your lean muscle mass, <clears throat> and um, your your weight. And then, you know, we're, we're, I'll probably go to some, like I said, some basic movement patterns, mm-hmm. pressing, pulling. Uh, if they if they struggle with pull-ups, you know, then we would start to look at. Uh, can they do a banded pull up and attach it to the J cups on the rig so that, that we, as we progress, we can move those J cups down for less resistance and, and also switch out a, a thinner band for less resistance. Um, in terms of upper body, definitely getting in that upright row. We probably do some kind of mid tier aerobic capacity test along with a 60 minute bike. Um, you know, like I said, we're, we're big fans of OPEC, so. That 10-minute bike is a very easy assessment to do and measure calories and, you know, average RPM and distance traveled. And it's pretty appropriate for most for most people to jump on there and do it. It's not a wildly yep. a uh, complex scale. movement. Yep. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to replicate. I think one of the things that um, I know people like, some people like to run and want to use running for tracking. I know that Matt and I are not huge fans of that we prefer the the bike is kind of the number one yeah. and if not the bike then the rower uh, it just provides 
really reliable metrics so that you can track mm -hmm. what what improvement looks like or if you're not improving right we, we need to know that too if the person's not responding well right and i think that's something that people get weird about at least if we kind of shift gears a little bit to what we see in the group model um you know we'll we'll do assessments every quarter and there'll be people that get kind of um i don't know they get they just they get weird about the assessments like oh man i didn't do better like well are you, I mean, are you working at that thing um well, and beyond that it's like when did we you mentioned this before in terms of consistency so the in-body scan is a huge one mm -hmm. right being stepping on that scale at the same time a day under the same circumstances the same the day you know the way you ate and slept the day before was this, as similar as possible like consistency and how you step on that scale breeds better i don't want to say accuracy because it doesn't necessarily make it more accurate but it makes the readouts more consistent so that when you track them over time it's more applicable you can actually see okay yes body fat is going down skeletal muscle mass is going up those are the things we want we're on the right track or vice versa we're not the same thing when you do these assessments for movement or jumping on the bike choosing the same bike or the same rower yeah. tracking the same metrics yeah. all that sort of stuff is it lends itself to making these assessments more reliable yeah. and i think part of my point would be the the fact that you don't improve or that something wasn't consistent is not a it's not a dig on you as a person it's it's allowing you to say okay maybe something needs to be tweaked or readjusted yeah. right it's not a failure necessarily on your part um i mean maybe it is if you're not heeding your coach's yeah. advice and following the programming but all that stuff aside this is these are just tools and i think that's a the embodies a big one with that and i know you and i have talked about um body fat percentage and people having a, a numeric representation in their mind of what they need to be at i need to be at 10 percent or 12 or 8 or whatever that number is right um and one of the things that we like about skin caliper measurement is that it doesn't have that preconceived metric so people don't really understand what the number is so it can truly just be a yeah. measurement the downside is it's invasive it's very difficult to very practice invasive. and be and, and be accurate you yeah. need to do it thousands of times yeah. um and most people don't want to be pinched yeah you know take their shirt off and get pinched with a, a caliper yep. um so i think the in-body is a great tool to avoid those things but it does so many times it's happened like three or four times in the last couple of weeks here yeah. where people have gotten on the in by like oh man this number and it, we look at that and I'm like it's just a number it's a mm -hmm. it's a way to track where you are right now and it may not even be accurate yeah well there's a couple points that i'd like to uh get in here with number one with uh with the group model and how people act weird to it i think that there's an advantage of having an individualized program for yourself mm -hmm. in the sense that your assessments are planned around you. And your needs planned, and what you want to do. Well, yeah. they're planned around you and your needs, so your assessments are going to look different than someone else's who has different goals. But also the timing. You know, you said that our assessments are quarterly. They're fixed. So yeah. if you've been coming to class regularly January through March and you hit an assessment week, and you do really good, and all your lifestyle factors are in line, and then during the springtime, you're drinking a bunch, and you're outside, and you're in the gym, you know, one or two days less per week, and then, you know, June or July hits, and you hit another assessment, and you're like, oh, well, I, I didn't do as good. Yeah. Well, the truth is, is 
you know, look look at the timeline we just talked about. Yeah. So, you know, for it's not a fixed objective. It's not like you reach a yep. certain amount of strength and then never lose it. Because you know what? You're going to come back next year and we're going to do the same assessments at the yep. same times. Mm-hmm. There's no secret. Well, and to your point, what if I'm a new member and I just joined a week or two before the assessment? Wait, right? Like, it's now it's a baseline. It's, I think we've talked about this before too, that the group model is imperfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very difficult to pull off. People like it, they want to do it. Obviously, it's it's a it's a more cost effective option for people. Yeah. It's a more social potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've both seen what a full OPEX facility offers as far as they. It, it looks very similar to a group model, even though no one's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's in hanging out. It does create that social environment, but that you gotta you gotta build that. Um, but most mm-hmm. people associate group fitness with a social time um and with you know that energy of everyone kind of moving together and doing the 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 same thing together but what ends up happening is there it's getting conflated with this program as mine it is not Mm -hmm. the program that's being written is is gpp for the middle of the bell curve and we also don't know to your point before how often someone's going to attend class so a person who comes you know an average of five days a week yeah. and hits most of the training days, they're probably going to see better progress, or they should, in their um, in their assessments and just generally how they're performing than someone who comes two days one week and four the next and then yeah. one day for three weeks in a row and then five days. You're just... It, there's so many variables when it comes to a group model where I think we, we interject these assessments not because we think they're always valid, Right, because if we're being honest, they're not. Because they're, like what we just mentioned, there's so many variables in terms of client attendance, when that client started, what they've been doing outside of the gym for the last three months prior to the the assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, a nice a nice way to check people. And so, if something is important to someone, if strength is an important goal and they're not improving, well, it just brings some awareness to that. Sure. And so now they know that they can focus on that either by making sure to attend those classes or getting with a coach and doing some, you know, individualized work or um, some sort of, you know, personal training or purchasing a strength template or something um, to address whatever the priority they're missing. Yeah. And I think the, the second point that I wanted to make about that is that assessment in not in a group model. So now we're talking about one-on-one coaching. You're my client. I'm your coach. You know, assessment, I think, is equally important for the client as it is for the coach because you may not improve every time you do this test, but I now know what direction we can take. So if, if, you know, I have someone that tests their one rep max back squat, they get better than the first time they did it. Right? But in the third time, they either match their, you know, their one or max back squat or they get less weight on it. And then and for me, it's saying, okay, well, what else is there? So now if that's an assessment week and we say, okay, well, their deadlift hasn't improved. So maybe I could work on some posterior chain, some glute activation, some bracing. So now for me, like I look at it as I look at it as a whole, when I'm assessing one thing, I'm also assessing some other things. That may impact it. Yeah. yeah. And you really look at the deficits 
and then you target out you target those because like I said you know working on your posterior chain is probably only gonna help your back squat um, so what I'm trying to say is that just because your assessment didn't go as planned and you didn't improve every single time uh, it's going to help the coach guide direction for hope hopefully for it to improve another time sure so it's really just a tool for for you to see how much you've improved or, or where you're at. But it's also a marker for me to now say, what direction do we take now? Yeah. And, you know, I have a client who's super strong, just super strong, lower body, squatting, deadlifting. So a lot of that stuff is at, you know, 80% now. Because why does this person need to get stronger in that area? For their goal, based on For, their goals. Based yeah. on their goals. And now, if their goal was to be the strongest squatter, deadlifter yep, in, the, yep. in the world, then you would keep getting them stronger, yep. or the attempt, at least attempt to. Yeah. So you know, this this individual and myself have been working on strict upper body work um, and some skills uh, that use the upper body, but the the low the deadlift and the squat have kind of taken a, way, a wayside because they're strong they're plenty strong enough they're in a maintenance phase yes All right and so yeah it's it's a lot about guiding your next steps it's it'll guide I'm sure your consultations when you sit yep. with individual clients and it, I think part of that is is having you know Matt and I have discussed this many times about having some you know potentially difficult conversations with clients. Um, you know, there's there's a curve that we all live on in terms of our physical capabilities, and at a certain point, we all start to level off and then decline um, until we decline permanently, and yeah. and that sometimes can be a real conversation. And even when we do that, if we see, I know if I have a, a client who's um, a little bit, we'll call it farther along that curve, mm -hmm. um, they're more uh, distinguished, right? maybe we start to look at how do these assessments impact them in terms of motivation and, and cognition and those sort of things. And is it, do we need to shift up what we're assessing in order to keep them motivated and to see growth and potential? Because if I'm, you know, if I'm heading into my early 50s and I'm still just testing back squat and deadlift and I've, I'm pretty well trained and I was lifting heavy as a young man, it's pretty likely that I've gotten weaker. Sure. Right? And so if that starts to beat me down, I might look and say, okay, let's let's think of some other areas that we can create physical assessments around that yeah. one will help you work towards whatever that person's goal is. And two, they set you up to be mentally kind of motivated about what you're doing instead of feeling yeah. defeated. I think that's another useful reason for assessments is and that requires some reflection. And a lot of times that's difficult, again, to get in a group model unless you seek it out as a client. You go talk to a coach about something versus one-on-one. -on -one, you're able to sit down and have that conversation with one of your clients and say, hey, Johnny, you know, you're 53 years old. I know you're upset because you didn't max out your – you didn't hit, hit a PR for your back squat, but we might need to accept that those days are, are behind us. And now, you know, it doesn't mean we don't work at those things. We don't yeah. work to hold on to as much strength as possible because that should be the goal. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, well, give up because now you can't get stronger. Yeah. Um, but I think the assessments can help to guide those conversations too. And you can help to say, look, at here's, here's the last six times that we 
assess whatever this physical trait is. Um, and this is the trend that we're working on. And here's, here's where I'd like to change directions with you um, if you're on board with this. So I think it, it helps to guide conversation too by doing assessment. Um, and I think it's something that that can lend itself to getting clients to think a little bit more about what the purpose of their training is. And if it's for sport, then that's great. And there's going to be some pretty clear guidelines as far as what things they want to test and improve on. Mm -hmm. And if it's for life and longevity and health, well, then it's a little more nuanced and it's a little more free flowing where we we need to kind of together as coaches and clients, we need to have that discussion and figure out like, well, why, why is this particular thing important to you? What makes you think it's so important? Whether that's a body fat percentage number or a a number on a barbell or or whatever. Um, But I think that the idea of assessment, it just opens all of that, all those conversations up. And so my, my point being, if you are going through assessments, be it in the group model or, um, as a one-on-one client, or you're just training on your own and you're trying to assess some of the stuff you're doing, you need to, to reach out and get some understanding about what we're looking at, what we're testing, what could be impacting it, um, and, and have someone that understands this stuff help guide you a little bit. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> to your point about someone uh, becoming, what did you say? Aged? Distinguished. Distinguished. Someone becoming a little more distinguished, um, you know, yeah, I think a, a big important piece in assessment is assessment frequency. I'm so, glad you brought that up. I was thinking about that earlier. I wanted to pick your brain on that. Yeah. So assessment frequency, you know, um, for, as you get, let's say, more distinguished or you have a higher training age, you're in by training age, meaning like, have you been working out for regularly for 10 years or have you been working out regularly for, you know, 10 weeks? So the higher your training age, the less frequent your assessments are going to be because you're distinguished. Um, And, you know, even like your biological age, as you get older, the less frequent you're going to be assessing. And if you look at Olympic athletes, they compete every four years. And depending on the sport, I mean, they can really only last, what, two, three Olympics? Four, maybe? Maybe, you know how I mean how many I mean look at those uh, I don't know you look at some of like the gymnasts they're in there for what two maybe three Olympics and then you forget about them or you know Michael Phelps was in swimming which is primarily an endurance sport I think he's been in four Olympics maybe mm, I don't know but yeah it's so as your training age gets older you know assessments depending on the assessment they can be very taxing. Well, and depending on your physical ability, if you have the ability to, to uh, depending on, like you said, what the assessment is, you know, if it's something anaerobic or, um, you know, the top end of like ma- maximal absolute strength, someone who's really well trained and physically mm-hmm. fit, they're going to be able to dig really deep on those assessments and they're going to yes. need a lot of time to recover versus, absolutely, you know, I think to your point, someone on the opposite end of the spectrum who's brand new that comes into the gym and just starts working out or just starts working with you as a client, they, they're they very untrained, they haven't done much of anything ever, they can do assessments weekly um, yep. in the beginning. And I mean, I, obviously you wouldn't do this exact same assessments every week, yeah. but they would do, <clears throat> they would potentially be doing anywhere from one to three assessments every week or two for the first three, 
six months because yeah. they can because they don't they're not able to to generate enough force to really yeah. dig themselves into a deep hole and i think you're talking about that as time goes by and that beginner becomes that becomes more intermediate and then becomes more advanced in their training age um that those assessments they start to get gapped out and they start to take different levels of priority based on what that person's needs are so it's again it it made me think about the, the where we fall short in a group model and it's not us specifically in here at kinetics it's just in general a, a group model can't work well because we can't account for that either if i have a client who's been here for you know for eight years and they've been very consistent the whole time and they're very well trained then they maybe shouldn't do a quarterly assessment. They should mm-hmm. maybe do one or two assessments a year. Yeah. You know, maybe it's two, but the the assessments are totally different. Yeah. Right. You're not even assessing the same things. Right. Versus someone who's very new, and they've been coming for a, a month, they could get away with you know having one to three assessments every week. Uh-huh. Um, and, and we just can't we can't account for all those variables in the group setting, but you can. And you do um, when it comes to working with an individual. I think that's a good thing to point out and for people to understand as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the assessment itself should dictate, uh, you know, how well someone can improve. And what I mean by that is, you know, you take a look at like a like something like a two K row. If it's someone who's never rowed before, there's going to be a skill component. This is how your body should look when you row. You need to you know, extend through the knees and then through the hips and then pull and then, you know, do that in reverse order. And so you need to teach them how to use the rower where the bike, it's, there's no skill involved. Sure. You go on the bike and you, you pump for 10 minutes or 60 minutes and, you know, but also, you know, you look at something like Olympic weightlifting, you know, if, if you have never done a, a snatch or a clean, you, somebody needs to teach you how to do that. It's my job to lead up to that we might not even assess a snatch or clean we might just do some muscle snatches some range of motion some stretching some core work sitting in positions before you even assess it might if you've never touched a barbell with olympic weightlifting you want to work with me as a coach it might be a long time before we try to do as much weight as possible sure and it's something you need to accept i was just it's funny you said that because i was just thinking about that as well i mean these assessments, I, I think a lot of it has to do with mindset communication from, from coaches because if we live in a society where people are, they want very quick results, mm-hmm. right? I want to come in, I've been sitting on my ass for 35 years and I got fat as fuck and now I want to get fit as fuck in six weeks. Of course. And the reality is, is that that's an unrealistic expectation, Right, yeah. and not to say that there's not ways to lose massive amounts of weight in six weeks. There are, but whether or not those are healthy and sustainable is a whole another topic, right? And I think the same thing can happen with with assessments where people, you know, the weightlifting one's a great one when people I want to be able to snatch and clean and jerk and do this yeah. and that, and I like to remind them that you know myself, like personally, I couldn't overhead squat a pvc pipe when i when i first found out about olympic weightlifting and train like yeah from that point until the day when i snatched my body weight which was like a goal once i started weightlifting uh-huh. was like four years 
yep. or three years or something like that. Yeah. And and so it's you start looking at that, and then from that point, from body weight at 175 pounds to snatching um, 100 kilos, that was another like three or four years. Like it's yep. it, and and at that point, it was three or four years of weightlifting four or five days a week. Yep. And so then it starts to these these assessments should start to guide real conversations. Yeah. And I think that unfortunately, um, because we live in an era where people want quick fixes, they want immediate solutions, mm-hmm. and they feel entitled to I should be able to do this. Like we'll get this a lot in, in the group classes where I should be able to do a pull up. I've been here for three years. Or I should be able to do muscle ups. I've been here mm-hmm. for whatever, however long. Yeah. And in reality, you haven't put the work in, and we haven't tested anything. If you've just been coming to a group, this is, again, where group models fall short. If you haven't truly tracked what you're doing, and I know that if you've come on certain days, you should yeah. be getting stronger in that area. But if you're not changing your nutrition and improving your lifestyle yeah. outside of the gym so that you lose weight, so you weigh less, you can do a pull-up more easily, right? and you're, and you're strengthening that range of motion, right? if you're doing all of those things and you're not getting to that goal, that's a different conversation. You should be getting to the goal. That that coach is falling short somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you had a longer road ahead of you than you thought. But in the group model, I don't know that stuff. None of us can. We can't know how frequently someone comes. And I think that's the value that someone would get working yeah. with you where those th- those factors are all considered. You know, yeah. hey, Johnny, I know you want to be able to do pull-ups. You're 100 pounds overweight. So guess what? You want to know the fastest way for you to get pull-ups? Yeah. Lose weight. So here's how here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Here's, this is your nourishment guideline. This I had is that your... exact conversation with a client that worked for me for about a year, and this particular individual wanted to do muscle ups. And okay. I, I told him, I said, well, I said you're not overweight, so you know, we don't have to worry about losing any weight. Mm-hmm. The harder part is getting stronger, and oftentimes someone who might be overweight already is strong enough to do it but they just can't do it with that amount of weight on them Mm -hmm. so i think that understanding the frequency of your assessments your training age your accountability and how often you're working at some of those things your coach is telling you to do and also is you know as a coach like it's my job like am i giving them the the appropriate things Mm -hmm. and that's where you know, I might come to you and collaborate or Melissa and collaborate and, and just talk about like, you know, maybe there's something I'm missing that I just don't sure. see. And, you know, it's not. And the, the worst thing is, it, you know, if someone comes in the quarterly assessments, they do poorly. And then it's like, well, it must be the must be the programming must be, you know, there's some kind of blame on something else mm-hmm. other than themselves. And if I was if I was in a group setting and I, you know, I, I did my quarterly assessments. I did terrible. If there was one goal where I was like, you know, I really want to snatch. I really want a clean and jerk, which is something that we do very few and far between here in group the group model. It, I would look to talk to a coach to do it. Mm-hmm. And that can be every day. <laughs> you, like, you go and you say, I want to work on Olympic weightlifting. I want to do, you know, snatch. I want to do clean and jerk. I love, I love the Olympic lifts. Then it's perfect. That's great. How often have you done them? Like maybe we should schedule a one-on-one session to where, you know, we can watch you move around with the barbell sure. and put some weight on if it's appropriate. 
And then your entire training is towards the one thing that you want to do. Yeah, and I think that, again, that, that circles back to what we talked about before in terms of having realistic expectations as a, as a client. Um, and to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, like, maybe the program is failing you, but not because the program is not put together well in the group class. It's because it's not your program. Mm -hmm. It's not tailored to you. So taking a, a less skilled component, instead of weightlifting, let's say you wanted to get a sub 20 minute 5K and we assessed the 5K and it, you know, it took you 24 minutes. Okay, maybe you want some dedicated aerobic work. And maybe that comes in the form of some PT sessions or working with a coach one-on-one -on -one through individual program design. Or maybe it's just purchasing an endurance template and following that a couple times a week and, and knowing that, hey, this is something that's important to me for whatever reason. It doesn't, it's, I want to make sure that people understand that your goals are not necessarily good and bad. They can be, they can conflict, right? So if I have yeah. someone who sits here and tells me, what they want out of this is to feel better and be healthier and a little bit stronger, just improve their overall quality of life. But they also are really interested in the snatch and clean and jerk. They love it, but they move like dog shit and they're not, they, they're not strong. They're not competent enough in those movement patterns. So I look at that and I'm like, well, those, those two things are kind of at odds. Like which is actually your priority? Because if your priority is, general health and wellness and feeling better outside of here you can do that without these two movements yeah right and, I, and we see Probably that a lot better without we see that a lot exactly because you have people that have poor uh positions and movement patterns and mobility and mm -hmm. those get exaggerated by doing a highly complex movement that and when i see someone that's you know that snatches 45 pounds and they're like i just need more weightlifting in my life i look at that and i'm like i do you I don't understand why. And maybe, maybe it's just something you really want to do, but then understand what that looks like. And yeah. you mentioned this before. If if you are that person who is a very, very novice weightlifter, but it's interesting to you and it's challenging, great. There's nothing wrong with having that as a goal, but understand that you have a long road of building that, that skill acquisition yeah. and strength. If you are weak and lack the the appropriate motor patterns and mobility to actually physically do those movements, mm -hmm. then you have a lot of work to do before you get to the fun clang and bang stuff, right? Everyone wants to do the sexy, exciting stuff, clean and jerk a ton of weight, yeah. drop it over their head from over their head. Yeah. Post it on Instagram. But if you can't do that, then yeah. you gotta put the work in. It's the same thing for me right now. I, I all I've been doing with BJJ and Muay Thai is just eating humble pie. Constantly, oh, yeah. I, I I joked around yesterday because Dylan had her class and I had mine, and uh, at, at roughly the same time, and Melissa came to watch Dylan, and Dylan finishes a little bit before me, and um, the guy who I was rolling with as we ended class when when they came over and they're kind of watching from the sides was just beating my ass everywhere. Yeah. He was so much better than me. <laughs> I'm like, I joked around. I said, oh, great. You guys, you know, you watched me at the end when I'm just getting beat up. I did pretty well yeah. again before sure, that. it was just the end. Yeah. Right. It was just the end. Well, in my defense, he's been doing this a long time. Sure but does, yeah. it's, it's also an understanding um, of when we look at assessments, it, my point being that I have to have realistic expectations. The last time that I consistently trained MMA and... Uh, Jiu-Jitsu was 12, no, maybe more. 
It might have been 13 or 14 years ago was the last time that I consistently did it. And I was pretty good then. I wasn't like an all-star by any means, but I was decent. I held my own, um, had some good matches, right? I feel very unskilled right now. If I were to assess my ability right now, it's very low. So if I stay in that mindset of like where I was versus where I am now, um, it makes the whole process less enjoyable. Right. And understanding that when I step onto the mat now, when I go to class, I understand that there's a, a learning curve that I need to climb. And I see the, a lot of similarities in weightlifting in that, that like, like, do I want to be like kicking ass and people being like, wow, you're super impressive. Fuck yeah, I do. Everyone does. Everyone likes yeah. a nice pat on the back. Right. But I haven't earned it yet. And the, for some reason within the world of martial arts, there tends to be a an understanding of that, that you need to earn your keep. You need to work your way to um, to your levels of proficiency. Whereas coming into these boutique fitness studios, whether it's a CrossFit gym or a small strength and conditioning gym, a lot of times if you're gen pop, like you're not someone who has a big background in uh, strength sports or anything like that, you come in and there's almost like an expectation, well, I should be able to get to do these things. And if we use assessment as an appropriate tool, we can say, well, it's okay for you to want to do those things and to have a goal, but we're gonna look at how appropriate it is and what the road to that, what that path looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And for someone, I, I think about, um, we had a young client years ago, and you'll know who I'm talking about, but um, she came into classes and she was very young. Um, and she was the daughter of some of our clients and I remember showing her how to snatch a barbell one time, and she did it flawlessly. Yep. Um, and I was like, okay, you're good if you want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that will happen. You'll have someone who's just, you know, they have an aptitude for it. They move well. They have good positions. They're decently strong. Guess what? That person gets to start lifting heavy before you do oh, if yeah. you are on the other end of the spectrum. And I think the assessment, again, it goes back to what we touched on before. It's not... It's not a dig at you as a person. You're not less of a of a valuable human being if you can't perform these particular skills at a certain level that you deem necessary, whatever arbitrary thing you've assigned to it. Whether that's you know the five k row we mentioned or uh, three rep max deadlift or whatever the case may be, right? That doesn't determine or body fat percentage and in body it doesn't determine your value as a person or whether or not you've worked hard up until this point or whether or not this has been a valuable investment in your health. It's simply a marker in the ground on your path as to where you are to help guide your next steps. Yeah. I think that's really like, if I want one takeaway from this conversation for people that have uh, hung with us for this long, it's that assessment is a, it's a necessary tool to help guide your success. It helps your coach to understand what they're doing right and wrong and where those next steps are. It helps you as a, as a client to understand where you've improved, where you might be lacking, um, how these things fit into your life and your priorities. But it's not a measurement of who you are as a person or whether or not what you're doing is valuable. If you enjoy it and you're, you know, you're, you're bought into the process, then it's valuable. And if that means, if that's because you want to compete in 
local CrossFit competitions, or you want to try and go to the games, or you just want to pick up your grandchildren, or you want to, you know, try and win the local 5K in your town, whatever those goals are that you've that you've set yeah. up for yourself, those are all fine. It's just yeah. understanding what they mean, what they entail, yeah. and how they impact the rest of your life. We all want our cake and eat it. We want to have our cake and eat it too. I do, and Melissa and I talk about this frequently, where we want to be present with our children all the time. We also want to be present at our business all the time. We also want to go out and have drinks sometimes. We also want to eat ice cream sometimes. We also want to do these other things. But all trying to do all of these things all the time at once is impossible and it exhausts us and there's sacrifices that have to be made and so we need to choose where our priorities lie and i think that's a big component of training is choosing those priorities and using these assessments to help guide those priorities Mm -hmm. and whether or not we're moving in the direction that that you want yeah and i think that um outside of a individual's or a client's standpoint you know coaches you know when it comes to assessment I think that it's not something that you overthink. Um, as a coach, if you know there are coaches listening to this, an assessment can be anything, really. Um, you know, there can be general strength assessments, one rep maxes, three rep maxes, ten rep maxes, um, as long as it's appropriate to what you're doing. Sure, um, and they can be subjective or objective. And I think you you mentioned this before, and I, it made me think of. Um, you mentioned like how are you feeling today, sort of thing. Yeah. It made me think of uh, our our good friend Kurt over at Next uh, Next Level Strength and Conditioning, and he talked about. I don't know if they're still doing this or not, but at one point um, they were doing a daily readiness card with mm-hmm. all their clients. So when they came in the door, it was like I think he said it was like four or five questions, and it was basically how are you feeling this morning, one to five. It's, a, it's all Likert scales. So it was, how are you feeling this morning? How was your nutrition yesterday? Yeah. How was your hydration? How was your sleep? I think it was those four questions. Um, just real general, um, just to get people in the mindset of like, oh, if I'm being honest with this daily assessment, and you mentioned it before, and this is a great takeaway tool for, um, for any clients, whether you're coming to group classes or going through an ID model, and something that you could do absolutely on your own, right? You can hold it, or with a group, um, you can hold yourselves accountable, but coming in and having that daily readiness kind of quiz in your mind and then applying that to what's going on. So if I come in the door and I know that, you know, Aubrey's not been feeling great all week. So if I come in the door and I'm like, man, we haven't gotten good sleep in, you know, four or five nights, um, haven't been eating enough really i've been skipping meals and doing these other things like so now if i don't perform that well in a class whether it's just class or assessment or my training for the day or whatever i at least have an understanding and i can start to see trends like okay maybe i should i'm bringing awareness to the sleep things i should probably sleep more or try and like set myself up for more success with that to the best of my ability but i think those sort of those sort of things can be just as valuable as what you're talking about in terms of like barbell strength or aerobic conditioning and tracking that sort of stuff. Um, just to bring some awareness to these different areas. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think that people should just really understand how important that this stage of success is and that this would be the next step from consultation um, making sure that it's geared towards your goals. And then after assessment is 
okay, let's talk about designing some workouts. Let's talk about designing a program around your assessments that you told me are important to you, are of value when we had our consultation. Yeah. And I think that I actually, I really like how you mentioned that, that readiness card. Um, It doesn't even have to be something you fill out. It can be a visual. Sure. And like, like in our facility, it'd be a cool visual. Just, you know, as you walk in the door. How did I sleep last night? What's Take notes, Melissa. Good? I don't know if you're listening, but you should be because you should support Get on us. this. Get on this. Now, uh, <laughs> so but I think that'd be a really cool visual instead of having someone just making them aware. And then if someone's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't do well on this assessment. And then it's like, hey, did you read that? You know that readiness poster that we have in the lobby? Some things to consider. You know, did you sleep great? Did you do this? You know, how consistent was your training the past three months? And... Um, I think that's a, a big accountability piece with mm-hmm. people when it, when it comes to assessment. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a, a big piece to success in fitness, but you know also in the real world. We get performance assessments. I get observed every year as a teacher. Um, Financial assessments, your retirement. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, you get we get assessed all the time, and it's just a, it should be just a, a measurement of growth. And I think that people look at assessment. As something that I'm always going to get better at, and you know, newsflash: if you're getting up and over forty, you're just going to be getting weaker. Hey, <laughs> that's life. <laughs> Fifty. I think that we can start to take that one end of the bell curve, and if everything leading up to it looks pretty good, I think that one end of the bell curve can start to shift out a little bit. Sure, you can to, push it. To, There's you not know, set your parameters. 50s. Yeah, but it's not that we can. You can get stronger for longer. I think that it's you can prevent getting weaker. Correct. So that plateau that you hit, you can make that plateau a little pretty, bit longer. Yeah. And and a lot of that comes in the in and without getting too far into the next step of this, which is program design that you alluded to before. A lot of that comes back to like creating some novelty in your training. And you know, mm-hmm. if I'm on the getting farther along that curve, maybe I'm doing more. Um, unilateral stuff, more muscular endurance, less maximal loading. I'm trying to maintain muscle muscle mass the best that I can. Um, I was reading a really interesting article recently about uh, like at at what point does your body stop adapting neurologically to strength training, where then you need to make a shift to more hypertrophy based, um, lower lower uh, percentage levels in terms of like maximal strength work more time time under tension to be able to preserve strength and tissue as you age right and that like at a certain point that should be that should be a shift that we make but bringing that back to assessment is like well that's part of I understand my client's training age I understand their chronological age I've been assessing them throughout the last year or two that I've been working with them so I'm able to watch that that linear graph I'm able to watch it either steadily rise or start to plateau, or maybe it's declining, and I can I can draw some conclusions from that and say, okay, you know, maybe this is the time that we shift gears a little bit and we take a bit of a step away from top end maximal strength work, and we we start to look at more muscle building hypertrophy type work, yeah, um, unilateral stuff, things that are going to be relative to this person's health and longevity. As, as they continue to age and making them functional, healthy, strong 
60, 70, 80 year olds mm-hmm. versus, um, you know, just continuing to try and grind the barbell for that max deadlift. And for, for what reason, you know, you think about someone like, uh, <clears throat> like Ronnie Coleman, I think he had some sort of quote around, uh, when he like destroyed his body back squatting fucking I don't know, eight or eight or 900 pounds for like great documentary but. for like four reps. Yeah. He had one point they're like, well, would you have done anything differently? And he was like, I would have done one more rep yeah. sort of thing. And like, I mean, that was, he was dedicated to that stuff, but then look where it got. I mean, the man's like half crippled. Yeah. He walks and around with those little handlebar things. Yeah. It's so. a, there's a price to pay for all of these things. And I think that's something that, um, that we tend to forget mm-hmm. with all of, with, with whatever we do, whether it's lifestyle choices outside of here. Yeah. Um, you know, choices that we make with our finances, choices that we make with our training, choices that we make with our relationships, our careers, all of that stuff has impact. Um, and, and without getting too far off tangent, it, it does bring it back to understanding yourself, understanding your goals, your priorities, and then using these assessments as tools to see where are you along that journey. Do we need to shift gears for one reason or another? Right? Are we on that uphill climb? We're just going to keep getting you stronger and and more and more athletic. Or are we trying to to fight off the end of time? Right? What do we? Which which area are we in? Yep. Um, so I think that's a, a good thing for people to keep in mind, and that um, you know this is part of the package in terms of individual program design here at Kinetics is consultation, regular assessment, refinement of your program design and your lifestyle prescriptions um, outside of the gym. And so it is a very, very valuable piece. It's something that needs to be done and it's something that should not be dreaded or that we, you know, we shouldn't feel anxiety or apprehension around um, doing assessments here at the gym, whether that's in the group model or um, with, you know, individual clients. So, um, with that being said, Matt, I just wanted to, to thank you for jumping on here again with me. Absolutely. We talked about consultation in our first meet and greet here, and we talked about using that consultation going into assessment and how that helps to guide assessment, why assessments are valuable, um, what some examples of assessments look like. And I think the next time we jump on, we can talk a, a little bit more, and we touched on it a handful of times, in regards to program design. Um, for those of you who have made it this far we thank you for for joining us and I encourage you guys to send a uh, an email or a facebook message or whatever post on instagram you know carrier pigeon whatever however you want to communicate if you want to ha- hear some specific avatar clients when we talk about individual program design because uh, i think that would be helpful rather than kind of bouncing all over maybe we we talk about two to three different uh, types of clients that would come into the gym and how we would program for them, what their programming would look like, um, what their lifestyle recommendations would look like. That is going to be the next step in this evolution of these interviews with Matt. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to, any parting words to leave us? Uh, no, no parting words. I look forward to you know speaking to you again about some of these things, and um, you know I think that just people understanding that this is an important piece to to success and growth. Uh, they should be assessing one way or another and it should be tailored towards them and their goals. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, guys, thanks again for listening to the Kinetics Connection. 
it's Chad Curtis here with Matt Perina. Um, as usual, jump on, send us some feedback as far as topics that you'd like to hear, uh, guests that you would like to see come on the podcast. They don't necessarily have to be staff or clients at the gym, but they certainly can be. Uh, as well as we mentioned, the next time Matt and I chat, it will be around the idea of program design. So the next step in this phase of working with clients uh, from consultation to assessment to program design. So if you have some specific examples of a type of client that you'd like to hear how we would program for them, please send us that information and we'll be sure to chat about it. All right, guys, take care. Love your faces. Enjoy.